What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. All right, welcome back everybody to Choose Inclusion. I'm Yubi, I'm here with Nina. Hey everyone. And Mike. Hola. And my friend Jesus Silva, Chef Jesus Silva from Misaki in Misaki on Broadway. Right. So uh, Broadway Market here in local Denver, Colorado. And I tell so tell us about your background because I, I, I wanna I want people to understand where you came from and, and how you got to Misaki. Um well, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, always. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start, but I've been cooking for close to thirty-one years now. And you're thirty, so that's I'm, crazy. I'm forty-two, <laughs> so I'm from Monterrey, Mexico, and uh, as you guys know, the situations in countries like Mexico is different. You need to work when you're young if you want to eat mm -hmm. and uh, I started working in this place and it was pretty young and uh, I mean I've been doing this I guess forever now mm -hmm. and I went to school for electronics and uh, I never do anything with that except for uh, uh, you go to school <laughs> yeah <laughs> I went to school and uh, anyway um, yeah and I've been doing Japanese food for 14 years, 16 years actually, 16 okay. years. Uh, um, yeah, I mean. And it was, so how did you, when did you come to the U.S.? I was uh, 26 years old. Uh, my older brother has an accident, had an accident, and uh, I had to move here for uh uh, we had to come here and take care of him because uh, he was hit by a drunk driver Oof. and uh, he became quadriplegic. So we, oh. my whole family moved here. Oh, wow. Like, to take care of him? Yes, to take care of him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, and so, so that was roughly 15, 16 years ago then? Yes. Okay. So early 2000s? 2002. 2002, okay. Mm -hmm. So, and then... Okay, so you had you started dabbling in Japanese food style um, at that point in time, or no? No. So at that point, I, I already come uh, cooking long time in Monterey, uh, but when I moved here, I mean, obviously, I don't. I mean, I don't know the culture. I don't know anybody. Um, I don't speak English. I do a little bit now. <laughs> um, and uh, it was hard. It was a shock. But um, I found a job in uh, Tamayo. Uh, it's a Mexican restaurant here. And that was kind of easy for me. Uh, moving the ranks up. And, uh, and then from there, I started working in this Japanese, or that was more like a Chinese restaurant fusion. 
it was called Mao after Mao Zedong hmm. in Cherry Creek, oh, wow. and um, that's where I started doing Japanese food in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So was that the first time you tasted Japanese food too? Uh, yeah, that was one of the, my first exposures to uh, Japanese food, like a real Japanese food. Um, Again, like I say, I, I was cooking for a long time, but I was do, I was doing a lot of Mexican food, of course, a little French, a little Italian, nothing nothing uh, too specific uh, like when I come here. And but you didn't go to school for food, right? So you you learned since you were yeah ten twelve. <clears throat> yes, I, I went to school for electronics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you but, can fix a blender. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can fix your, fix your microphone. <laughs> one, two, one, two. Yeah. It's not working. But no. Um, so yeah, that was the first exposure I have to uh, Japanese food. And um, it was not easy, but uh, especially, again, because I don't speak English at all in that point still. Uh, one of the things that make me learn was uh, when you work in a sushi bar you you ride there uh, dealing with people every day and mm -hmm. you have to so I did well and, and I imagine then so you're from Mexico your name is Jesus but you're making sushi so what like did you what did you experience those people that you were so looking for what did I mean, what kind of bias did you experience? Like, you know, did people look at you and go, wait, what is this? Well, first, it's really hard work with Japanese people because they, you know, they want you to be very Japanese when you're, <laughs> when you're in, this, in the sushi bar. Uh, usually, if um, you're going to be in a sushi bar, you start in the kitchen, you have to be there for a really long time. Um, I was... I don't know, I want to say lucky that three guys quit at the same time there to move uh, to Aspen in that that time and they really need somebody in the front to help. Mm -hmm. And I guess because I already have some skills with my knife and, and I want to say that I was pretty good actually with my knife. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, he is. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, uh, they they accept to train me and. Uh, that's how I started doing that. But I was, um, yeah, it, I mean, it was kind of weird just because, first because I don't understand what they say. And uh, you have to figure out things when you don't speak the language. And uh, you have to figure out how to be efficient and how to do something you don't know. Um I don't know, it's hard to explain, like, they try to explain to you, and since I don't speak English or Japanese, it's, it's a little complicated, but yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Doing so, so that's fascinating to me, thinking like, okay, so it was it was this um, total language, like, you know, so there, there's, you don't even have a common language of, of English, right? So mm -hmm. you're, so literally, like, the entire training was almost done by, like watch what I'm doing, yes, and pointing, right, and then so like so the language of visually observing, I mean that's that so that's how you like overcame all of those barriers. 
Right, right. But then um, I think that was the easy part in the beginning. Um, the hardest part was when I started speaking English and I understand all the crazy things they say. Oh, because you know, I mean, they. Um, <clears throat> it, it, some people think, um, and and this not to generalize anything, but some people behind the sushi bar think that only Japanese can do uh, sushi. Right. And I don't believe that. I mean, otherwise, why is, why is somebody else is doing Mexican food, right? Mm -hmm. When you're not Mexican. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, they believe their hands are the perfect temperature or like they believe Japanese specifically, I mean, Japanese chefs believe that woman cannot make sushi because the temperature of their hands are different. Hmm. What I think is totally uh, not real. I think that's fast. Yeah. Uh, There's no science to support that. No, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, during the years, I meet so many, 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 many different people. And I, again, a lot of them, they're amazing people, and every actually almost every everyone that I work with, they're very, very, very cool people. So, but it, sometimes it's cultural too. I mean, they have their own beliefs, and 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 they've been uh, passing those things for a long time, and, and that's why they believe that is. I don't even want. I don't know if that's like they trying to be bad with people. It's just the way they think. Do you think you change their perception? So you're, you know, you're coming in, and, and at first, you know, they think that you're, you know, coming in and, and trying to take over their culture or whatever, and try to be like them. Do you think you changed their minds? Totally, totally. Yeah. Because now a lot of them come to eat with me, or oh. come to eat in front of me, or they bring their families and sit in front of me to eat uh, sushi, and that's big because, yeah. um, like I said, usually they want another Japanese guy doing. So that's an endorsement of your skills. I, I hope. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's an endorsement uh, or, of your skills. Or they're probably yeah. thinking, like, let's go eat some Mexican food. And <laughs> sushi with me. <laughs> some Mexican sushi. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, well, what's funny uh, is, you know, I, I've, I've heard you describe your, your cooking as, you know, I'm, I'm making Mexican food, like, with Japanese technique. Yeah, uh, because you do. I think you 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 instill very Mexican flavors or right into mm -hmm. your sushi. That's yeah. what makes it unique. Yeah, I I, I mix a lot of uh, Mexican ingredients, or I try. Not all the time works. Sure. Um, but um, Mexican food, I think, is really really rich, and and I don't think uh, we cook enough Mexican food in America for people to understand what a real Mexican food is. Right. Um, we think uh, Mexican food of tacos and and probably, I don't know, mole, everybody right away, come mm -hmm. to your head. Oh, Mexican food, mole, tacos, mole. <laughs> well, Mike, what did you think Mexican food was? <laughs> so, okay, I, I always, all right, so now, I've had a couple of barriers in my life. And one of, one of them was economic, okay? So I, I uh, 
So I grew up very like I actually thought spam was like a, a fifth food group, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I it's coming up, back around. Yeah, I grew up really, really poor, so I did not. I mean, fried bologna sandwiches, like we 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 didn't have um, access to a lot of foods. However, I also grew up in a very rural and Caucasian part of the country in Northeast Ohio at the time, and so we did not have access. Like we did not know. Uh, the amazing flavors and culture of, of the Spanish population, of Mexican population. Like, I did not know that. There wasn't even a Taco Bell in the small <laughs> Caucasian town I grew up in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, which is, oh, by the way, not authentic. That's right? Not authentic. <laughs> which, so, which is very good for you. You don't have one of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> hey, I don't know about you, but that Dorito taco shop. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, we're not being endorsed by that, by the way. So, uh, I, uh, so I so living here in, in Colorado for 35 years now and being surrounded by the very rich culture of and I actually never had mole until like this last is summer of 2019. Oh, never wow. mole. Yeah. So I um uh so I do love like the rich flavors and, you, and, and you, just I all the peppers. You know what is crazy? Yeah. You have one type of mole and it's like Hundreds and hundreds. Oh, of I was gonna say, <laughs> they're so different. I was so different. I only had one. Like I, 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 didn't, I never even knew what it was. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, um, um, we're not cooking enough Mexican food. Uh, uh, I think pretty soon what's gonna start happening in America is uh, the chefs gonna start specializing in in regions like Oaxaca or Veracruz or Yucatan. Uh, by state, you're going to see those uh, new Mexican restaurants instead of be just a Mexican restaurant huh. with a lot of different things from the country. It's going to be Mexican restaurant, Oaxacan style or... That's interesting. Very yeah. specific. Oh, yeah, because every every state has their own way to cook. And like, sure. just Oaxaca has, has the, uh, seven different regions that they cook totally different right. from mm -hmm. each place. And that's just Oaxaca. So yeah. uh, that's really fascinating. It's a similar thing with Indian food. I, yeah. just, I yeah. just came back from a month in India uh, doing a tour of Indians' living rooms, visiting my family. Um, <laughs> but we did get to eat a lot of food, and it's just like the whole concept that there's only one type of Indian food in the U.S. is just, just right. it makes no sense. It's, it's like saying that, you know, Louisiana food is the same thing as like a New York City burger. Like, right. you know, like, but that's essentially the curry equivalent. Curry. There's totally different kinds of curry. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe in the future. And red curry. I forgot about oh, red curry. Uh, <laughs> you might there's... be thinking about Thai food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, there goes the culture thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Show for you. In the future, you're going to go to Mexico to American restaurants, and you're going to find uh, Louisiana-style uh, food with, all I mean from all America in one single place, right. mm -hmm. and you as an American gonna understand where we're talking about. Like mm -hmm. I mean, the, yeah. it's just it's a lot more there than it's yeah. just burgers, isn't it? I, I, all American food is just burgers, isn't it? I mean, pretty much. Like, I mean, pizza. New York and Chicago are having this huge debate. You know, deep dish versus you know, pizza. And it's like, yeah, you know, really, it's just. Bread, cheese, and right. Cheese. Come on, yeah. guys. And it's not even Italian. So. Let's start there. Well, so what's interesting about food, though, and, you know, I think the food industry, maybe more so than a lot of industries, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel like the food industry has 
embraced diversity a little more than than most. And and why is that? You know, is is it out of necessity? Well, you have to. You have to because uh, not many people is willing to work 13, 14, 16 hours a day. Right. Then immigrants, they do it a lot. I mean, just to give an example, my week, this, my week, this week was around, or it's going to be around 90 hours. Oh, wow. Uh, and now because uh, I, I, I need to work to make money is right. because... Is part of our is part of our culture too. I mean, we work really crazy. I mean, you, I, you said a week, not a month. No week. Oh man. Oh yeah. yeah. Ninety hours for a month is like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I like today, my day start at uh, uh, seven, sending orders, seven in the morning, sending orders. Uh, dealing with some people that call sick and you know I, I mean I I'm dealing with people since seven in the morning Wow and I'm gonna go back right now I have a big event uh, I'm gonna make a lot of sushi coming back to my restaurant and I'm gonna be there till 11 and and at that, at that time of the night when I finish to do the normal things I have to go up there and look for if I need to do ordering for the next day and all that mm-hmm. stuff so yeah I mean we uh, a lot of people like me we work like crazy but it's it's it's, it's weird um, you see those these washers who work in the restaurants they they have one job in the morning where they go on the seven in the morning leave a tree, go another work at four and stay there till like one in the morning and they do it again next day and they do like a whole week and uh, that's kind of normal. And it's weird like when you have a friend uh, from any part of like Mexico, Central America, sometimes from South America, they only have one job, but you're like, what, you only have one job? <laughs> <laughs> you're so lazy, man. You're only working, so lazy. You're only working 40 oh hours God. a week. Are you kidding me? Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I thought we are hearing immigrants are so lazy, right? Like, uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? right? Yeah. That's, we won't get into a political conversation. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, but that's, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, uh, out of the necessity, uh, you have diversity in the kitchen because again and I don't want to be I don't want to generalize the whole thing I mean some not many people from America want to take those jobs or want to have those long hours or want to be in the restaurant the whole day right Mm -hmm. I mean as simple as that right well so I'm curious too so there's a and I forget the name of you know it's one of those there's crazy shows that, you know, there are all these pervasive shows. And one of the uh, recent winners was a uh, totally blind woman. I think it was out of, uh, either Austin or Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth area, totally blind. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those. And as she got brought onto the show, right. And of course she's blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, um, Oh, Ram- Ramsey. What's uh, Gordon Ramsey. Is that, oh, is, is that's that, key yeah, it, it was the guy from there who actually said, you know, I, he, he trains his chefs actually by putting them under blindfold so they can truly taste the foods. Mm. And so I'd be curious on, you know, and she actually ended up winning the whole contest. It was like last year, year before. She was fantastic. Yeah, totally blind woman. She won the whole contest. And um, I was curious on your thoughts on, you know, obviously with, with, you know, 
I love seeing that promoted too. But from your perspective, do you think there's an advantage with uh, truly just being able to taste and touch the food? Well, um, I think it's a lot of different talents, right? Like she has definitely developed her, her taste buds better than anybody else because she needed it for work. And she don't have a tool that, I mean, she cannot see, right? Right. So she needs to, she needs to use all the other tools she have, her, her hands and her taste buds and her hearing and everything at a higher percentage. I mean, as we, maybe we separate those things and let's say 25% is visual, 25% is taste, 25% is the way you hear, hear things, the way you feel immediately, 25%. And for her, it was different. I mean, if it's an advantage, I think she was in, in disadvantage. And, but she becomes stronger out of her uh, deficiencies, I guess. Mm. I mean, she become better. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. I don't even know who is this lady. Of course, in the blindness space, like it made all kinds of news. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I really, I really appreciated the story that, and then of this, uh, this famous, and I, I don't follow chefs, but I think it was that Gordon Ramsay guy who actually then said, you know, like I train, he trains his chefs um, for a period with blindfolded yeah. so they can focus on, you know, the tasting and the touching of the food. So it's not just pure visual, right? So I just, I thought it was fascinating. Well, anyway, it, so. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. You see it, you know, we watch in TV and we're watching a lot of uh, shows of food, right? Yeah. And everything you see in on the shows, it has to be visual. You don't know how that thing tastes except for what the judges say. And in the end, a judge is a, is a preference. I mean, the judge right. cannot tell you like, oh, this is wrong, this flavor is wrong, because what if that's what the flavor you want? Mm -hmm. What is that? What if uh, that is the flavor you want or you're looking for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I feel like sometimes the shows are a little crazy because, I mean, yes, a judge can tell you, hey, that technique you use is wrong. I mean, right. because the technique's supposed to be this way or the other way or whatever. But it's hard for me to think that the flavor, they they, they can tell you like, oh, the flavor is wrong because, and you're like, you can say, why? I mean, that's the, what, that's what I was looking for. That's maybe fantastic. you're wrong. Yeah, know. maybe you're wrong. Yeah, I right? love that. I'm sorry, but that sums yeah. up exactly what this podcast is supposed to be about. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about, like we think in the talent pipeline arena, we think so much that it's supposed to, you know, look like this, right? Because there's some kind of recipe for it, but yet in the world of inclusion that we all embrace and endorse, like it, it should be, you know, like, you know, 17% of the population are people with disabilities, but there's no company on the planet that has statistics even close to that, let alone, you know, women of color in their leadership ranks. And, and right. like, we just don't have that. So, so I love you saying that, like, it's such a preference and that, that so fits what we're, we're attempting to get through. And there's your mic drop. I was just He always does a mic, does a mic drop. And that was it. Because, I, get, I get a little well, fired up. <laughs> well, and, and, and to that point, we were, we were talking about this a little earlier before we started recording that, you know, those shows that you're talking about mm -hmm. don't really represent, well, they don't provide a, a, a visual representation for 
blind and visually impaired people or women of color or men of color or, you know, other underrepresented groups to see themselves as a chef right. or to see themselves, um, you know, as a restaurant owner because it's not really represented in, in those shows very well in the media. And so, so why would they pursue a career in that? It's, it's, it's crazy because that those shows too uh, are creating a, a wrong expectation for the new generation of chefs. Right. Um, the chefs are coming out of the school and I think the schools are not being uh, honest with the people they're training uh, when they come into the industry too. Uh, and that's really wrong because, like I said, I see it every day. You, have, you get people coming out of the school, and yes, they have a lot of good skills, but they're not ready to be a chef. They're not ready sometimes mm-hmm. not even to be in a line cook or be a line cook. Right. Sometimes not even to be a prep cook. And, and mm-hmm. these people coming out of the school thinking, you know, I'm ready. I'm going to be the next top chef or iron <laughs> chef or whatever and you never cook an egg i mean but in a real kitchen in a real kitchen no maybe yeah. you do yeah. right in in the school yeah but think about this now you have to you're not going to cook one or five you're going to cook 300 <laughs> in 30 minutes right so now that's the difference you know that yeah, that's that's, that's why why i'm thinking the schools too need to be more honest with what they teaching and, and tell the truth. Uh, the, I mean, or the shows. I mean, I, I'm not waking up every morning running around uh, a supermarket trying to figure out <laughs> oh, oh, what, what kind of ingredients I need for today and then coming back to my kitchen trying to... That's not how we work. Right, right. Yeah. We organize this whole thing. Like a whole week is organizing in Monday or whatever you, day you organize. I mean, that's, those whole things are, are crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would argue that a lot of the, even like the, the coding schools, I mean, it's the same scenario, right? It doesn't matter yeah. necessarily what industry, but, you know, we've got students coming out of some of these schools and they're expecting one to make a lot of money mm-hmm. and that they're just going to plug right in. But to your point, it's completely different in every company, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, you they haven't been taught that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just this big chunk missing. What are the skills that are actually needed versus what are the, what are the yeah. education system preparing you for? And then that disconnect that's happening is part of the reason why there's a lack of diversity and inclusion, because even the folks who are hiring don't necessarily, aren't able to articulate the skills that are needed in right. a lot of places. Right. Yeah, and I, I guess, like, that's another thing. The, so a lot of these students come in and, and they think, like, the dishwasher is like, oh, don't worry about that guy, or don't worry about the um, prep guy. I mean, I'm, I come in out of school. And, and I mean, that's the people who support you to mm-hmm. become, I mean, you want to be a chef, that's the people you need first before anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it. Hey, Zeus, I I have so enjoyed uh, getting to know you, and I am so looking forward to uh, bringing me and my family to uh, your restaurant. I really am. So we need to do um, a choose inclusion in the field on the on site on site episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to bring. You know, I think it would be. um, I'll bring uh, Uvalde. I'll bring uh, you know a whole bunch of the board of directors 
to the restaurant. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. So anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, and that's a whole other podcast that we didn't get to today, but talking about how food and drink can really bring people together so that we can have, you know, really safe, but vulnerable conversations, you know, and use that curiosity of food that we have because we're so willing to try so many different kinds of foods, but we're not so willing to be curious about so many different kinds of people. And so how do we, how do you do that? How do we do that, right? You make a very good dinner. <laughs> that way, you don't want to spoil your dinner, and you have to be civilized. That's and right. Be around people and, and learn about somebody else that is not yourself. Exactly. Oh, Love it. Yeah. Perfect ending. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Jesus. It's thank been you. A pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. What a pleasure. And we're out. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Jesus, See you that was time. awesome. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. We'll be publishing a new episode on the first Thursday of every month. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.